Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. As I watch the world. Please stand by. Good morning. One of the subjects that we have been studying, all of them in the book of Acts, helps us to understand better on why things happened and, 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 uh, and why they happened. For instance, uh, on Acts 19, we talk about Paul, uh, Apollos being at Corinth. And, uh, and of course, Apollos was a very eloquent and mighty in Scriptures, 18.25, Acts 18.25, instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the Spirit, yet uh, and spoke and thought diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So, meaning, don't make much out of that. All that's simply saying is that Apollos didn't hear about Pentecost. And so, not knowing about Pentecost, it shortened his understanding on the work of the Holy Spirit. And of course, was he was he saved? Yes. Was a fervent man? Yes. He was gifted? Yes. And so he began to uh, uh, know only the baptism. Verse 26 says, And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard, they took him uh, unto them, and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Meaning, he explained what really happened at Pentecost. So Apollo struggles to come to an understanding about Pentecost, which he did not know about it, produced fruits. In other words, when you are a pastor, and an understanding of the Scriptures is not clear, you pass that to your congregation, and they will have an understanding that is not complete. Well, let me, let me give you an idea on how, how that can change your life. One speaker follows the pattern of teaching that involves a broad base of understanding. The other gets to the nitty-gritty of the Scriptures and expound it on it to apply it and to encourage and, and of course, edifying to build and to comfort, prophesying over people. And the fruits are many. So it depends on, on what you understand of the Scriptures in order to share with others. Our ministry, choose the Scripture as much as possible. I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying we're trying to do uh, uh, we're a better job than anybody else. What I'm saying to you is that to understand the Scripture, you look from the bird's eye view, and then you get into it a little bit. And so today we're going to get into it a little bit, because what happened when Paul came, see, see, you see, uh, Apollos was in Corinth, and, uh, and uh, uh, Paul came to Ephesus, and he met 12 men at the entrance of the city who did not know much about Pentecost. So how long, when did this happen? Well, it happened about 25 years after Pentecost. See, Acts, 
Act, the act, the book of Acts was written about 58 after Christ. Jesus lived about 33 and, and went to heaven. So 25 years, I would say, is the difference there uh, of how long it, it took a lot, 25 years. And, uh, and of course, uh, Apollos finally heard about Pentecost. So, now, now, uh, uh, The geography here is very simple. You have the Asian Sea on this side. You have Corinth here, Athens and Corinth. On the other side of the Asian Sea, you have Ephesus. And so Corinth is where Apollos was. Ephesus is where, uh, uh, yeah, it's a large city, 200,000 people, uh, uh, big library in the center of town, a 25,000 seat auditorium. We've been there. So, when you look at this, Paul comes from the north, visiting the churches in Colossus and, and uh, uh, Herodia and Hierapolis, Hi 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 on the Lycos Valley. Arriving at Ephesus, he finds his twelve men, and he prays for them. And, and then we begin right there. So let me take a look, put my glasses on, and I'll read the scripture for you, because it's, it's, it's really interesting. And he said unto them, what then were you baptized? And they responded, John's baptism. And he said, Paul, John, then said Paul, John verily baptized with water to repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe in him which should come after him, that is Jesus Christ. Now this is Luke writing this down because he's right there next to Paul. And look at verse 6 of chapter 19. And when Paul laid hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, I told you that uh, in order to understand this, we have to take the bird's eye view and move deeper into the subject. Because if you just skip this as if somehow it's of no importance, or if, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just... Uh, this is really, you know, my cup of tea. Then what happens is, your understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit is shortened. Your ability to understand what it means is shortened. And you live your life on another plane. Because you like Scriptures and you don't like Scriptures. And so you avoid it in order to somehow not cause any commotion. I don't want any trouble. Well, I'm, 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 I'm looking for trouble. I believe that uh, skipping this over here in order to please you, it, 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 it's really weak. And so, and so there you have it. You've got to define yourself as to who you are in terms of what God has called you to do. Now let's take a look. Have you received the Spirit since you believe? They answer, we have not so much heard. There is a Holy Spirit. And so... Paul lay hands on them. Now, John Wesley is a point of reference because he helps us to understand this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in tongues. For instance, he saw it as conversion, as the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit in us, indwelling, inside. And he saw the baptism of the Holy Spirit as an outward experience visible expression of the Holy Spirit baptism. 
Now, 800 years before Christ, Isaiah speaks a prophecy that confirms the conversion as an inward experience in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, an outward experience. It's a, a, a 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's take a look at that. I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, write the verses of Scripture, but, but 1 Corinthians 14, 21 and 22. Deal with this just a little bit. First Corinthians 14, 21 and, 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 and 22. Uh, First Corinthians 14, 21 and 22. In the law it is written. He's referring to Isaiah 28, 11. With men of other tongues and other lips... Will I speak unto this people? So Isaiah is prophesying. 800 years before Christ. He's simply saying. With men of other tongues. And other lips. I will speak unto these people. And yet for all that will they not hear me. Said the Lord. After that they won't hear me. In other words. Uh, yet for all that that will, they they, they not want to hear me. They, they, they resist it. They they're, they're not listening. Wherefore tongues are for a sign. This is what uh, uh, Paul says. Not to them who believe, but to them who believe not. But prophesying serves not them who believe, but for them which believe. Let me go and slow down. Isaiah prophesizes in Isaiah 28, 11, that with men of other tongues and other lips, I was speaking to these people. Meaning, what, what Isaiah is saying is that there is an expression of inward experience in the heart of people. The Holy Spirit will speak with other tongues, like in Pentecost. And many believe and men would not believe. It's inward. Now verse 22 is, wherefore, tongues is for a sign. Meaning, tongues is an outward experience to them who, who believe not. Now let's look at this in detail. In 1 Corinthians 12, 6, it says, now, is this a reality in the church today? Yes. It's a reality. There's an inward and outward experience. But, but let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 6. There are diversities of operation. So tongues has a diversification about it. When those men that spoke in tongues in Corinth, 12 men, Paul laid hands on them, they began to speak in tongues. It was the work of the Holy Spirit in them to produce a certain spiritual growth so they could become spiritual. Look, Corinth for two and a half years, or maybe, maybe, maybe less than that, received Paul in Ephesus, and Paul preached in the hall of Tyrannus a message, a Bible study that traveled throughout Asia. And change Asia. Remember, on the first missionary journey, they came from Samothrace, or Chorasin Samothrace, 
And they're going to meet Mysia in Phrygia, which is, which is, which is Asia. And, and the Holy Spirit did not prevent them to go. But now, Paul in the city of Ephesus is teaching a Bible study. And the word just went all over the place. So, what was the purpose of those 12 men to receive a blessing like that? Now, in your mind, you probably say, well, you know, I, I can't teach that in my church because, uh, uh, honestly, that will just cause people to be very nervous. And Well, I tell you, we have a lot of Baptists who know zilt about this. Squat. They don't talk about it. They don't teach in Sunday school, especially Methodists too. And what causes it is that we have a group of, a number of thousands and thousands and thousands of people who just have a point of reference about Scripture that is blank. You know, I mean, I went into a church where the pastor said, let's fill the blank. God is, and everybody filled the blank. Listen, we're talking about America in un- disunrest and the world is in turn. And you just uh, don't have any more to say? I heard that God is love when I was a little kid in Sunday school. I don't have to say it again. I know His love. But that's all you have to say. You have to ask me to fill the blanket. Why did the twelve men were empowered by the Holy Spirit in Ephesus? Because God had a plan for that city. Look at the bird's eye view. Now, so there are four things that tongues will do for you. Tongues is for personal edification. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing. But Paul wrote 12, 14 books of the New Testament. And he's saying something that you got to run over and... Listen, it says tongues will build you up, edify you, strengthen you. Did you hear that? In Jude, verse 20, before Revelation, the last book of the Bible, before, you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You know the little commercial about St. Jude Hospital and those little children come with that, Hello, my name is so kind to me, and you're helping me to be a little boy. I'll have 12 operations and each have more. Remember that? That's a very nice commercial. I just love those kids. The St. Jude, they made their hospital named after St. Jude. That's the guy that wrote this. He said, But you, beloved, pray yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. First thing tongues do for you is build you up. You know, at Pentecost, you have dialectus, meaning you're speaking. And uh, and uh, and I speak in Portuguese, and the Chinese guy close to me understood what I said. Type of thing means I I, I speak in in in, uh, in in Greek, and somebody else who does not speak Greek but Hebrew understood me. Meaning meaning it was a, a, a translation. But when these men were touched by Paul. The stammering lips, the electrical movement of the Holy Spirit began to move. 
And that became tongues. Pray in the Spirit. So number one, for edification. Number two, tongues are for interpretation. What do you mean by that? You see, we can talk to God between our spirit and His spirit, and it's very important. Okay? It is a connection that when you begin to speak to God in your spirit, speaking to God in tongues, to, through the Holy Spirit to God, you are preparing yourself for eternity, because in eternity, it's spirit to spirit. So don't go to eternity without being able to talk. You might be a nice Baptist in heaven who can't say a single word to God because you want to speak English. It's a heavenly language. So number two, tongues are for interpretation. Public assembly. Somebody says something, somebody gets up and translates. Number one, edification. Number two, interpretation. Number three, tongues are for deep intercessional purposes. Romans 8, 26. And uh, Romans speaks a very interesting verse. Likewise, the Spirit or the Holy Spirit also helps us in our infirmities. What do you mean by that? When you, uh, when you have somebody sick in your house and you are running out of gas, put that person to pray with you in tongues. Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us in our infirmities. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. <clears throat> we so, listen, I just took care of my wife for eight years. And many times I run out of gas. I'm constantly praying and praying. And some days I just don't have nothing to say. I don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to put it together. And that's where I spoke in tongues a lot. Paul says I speak in tongues more than you all. More than everybody. Why? Because to travel. Do you, do you, know, do you know how long it takes to go from Tatara? In the Old Testament, you know, the... Uh, uh, the, one of the cities of Revelation uh, to Ephesus or, or, or Corinth. You know how long the distance there? It, it's 200 miles. And Lydia just walked that thing 200 miles. Paul traveled 400 miles sometimes. Of course, you know, I go Delta. But when my wife was sick in bed and we were just running out of gas, we pray in the Spirit. And God changed the situation. Edifies, it builds, it comforts, strengthens. So those of you who are negative Christians, accuse everybody. Put people down all the time about tongues. Maybe that's what you need. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that will change who you are. So, number one, edification. Number two, interpretation. Number three, intercessional. When you uh, begin to pray intercessional, you intercede in deep 
groanings which cannot be uttered. For we know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Well, maybe that's not for you, but I can tell you this, eight years of illness taught me how to pray like that. Number four, tongues is for a sign to the unbelievers. So, number one, again, number one again, okay, number one again, personal edification, number two, interpretation, number three, intercessional, and number four, a sign to the unbeliever, 1 Corinthians 14, 22. It occurred in the day of Pentecost, transcended all intellect, language barriers, witnesses to unbelievers, and the move of the Holy Spirit in dialectors and tongues caused a commotion all over them. So why to pray this way? Why, why, why is it that you are, I'm suggesting you to pray in the Spirit? Well, take a look at Romans chapter, chapter 8. And there's an interesting verse there. Uh, is, that, is, that, is that Romans? Romans 12, I got it. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you don't deserve this, that you present your bodies as holy sacrifice. For what? A living sacrifice. So that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God which is reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, tongues is spirit to spirit. When you begin to understand prayer as a spiritual thing, Tongues become essential. So to speaking into the heavenlies is an attempt by faith to come to know and understand the perfect will of God. Don't you want to know the perfect will of God for your life? You know, I wrote an article to a newsletter. And uh, fine, it's a good article, very good. And this morning I began to pray about that. And I heard the Lord say to me, throw that away. Write something else. I want to I do that. In other words, I'm going to send 5,000 newsletters out with an article that, uh, that God's not approving. And so I'm going to write a new one. Now, I wrote my agenda for the week, and I've been praying about this, and, and, uh, and, uh, and I made some changes. That's what I need to do. And uh, now after I pray in tongues for about an hour, God began to talk to me. So how does the, the Holy Spirit speak to you about the perfect will of God in your life? You want to be in the perfect will of God. You don't want to be outside of the will of God. 
How does that work? Well, you see, you have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. I knew and I know that when I, uh, when I die, my spirit man goes with my soul into paradise. Because you have a spirit. When you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, a deposit of blood came by the Holy Spirit within your soul. And that's the seal of your eternity. So get that straight. When we talk about it's not good to speak in tongues, it's not for today. How can you go to heaven without your spirit? And so, you know, uh, 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 I, I had a little dog. And, and the dog died. But he stayed dead. Well, not with me. My soul comes to find immortality within the immortal Spirit of God. My soul, my will, my emotions, as I die, my spirit joins the immortal Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God begin to uh, in, uh, begin my eternity. So think about soul as will, mind, and emotions as your personality, who you are. Because in heaven you won't have a physical body. I hate to tell you. In heaven you won't get fat. In heaven you don't have to treadmill. In heaven you don't have to somehow do exercise and take vitamins. In heaven you don't have to decide between what to eat and what to eat. See, you eat from the heavenly realm of God's presence. And he so you got to go into have to have a, a spiritual body. And what differentiates about your spiritual body from anybody else, it is the immortal Holy Spirit, spirit to spirit. So, how about tongues, brother Rick? Well, if your if your spirit is talking. And he's calling out God. You know? It's just calling out the Holy Spirit. Calling out God. And he's beginning to practice this. The immortal Holy Spirit begin to... To relate. And, and you begin your eternity here. That is the definition of sanctification. Don't, you're not sanctified when you get to heaven. You sanctify when you're here. It's in this life that you are sanctified. Sanctification is a very, very difficult word to understand. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit cleansing you. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual thing. So what's wrong with your, whole, what's wrong with your spirit talking to the Holy Spirit about the things of God? You know... Uh, when you're talking, when you speak in tongues, you travel billions and zillions of miles into the heart of God. And you're not here anymore. You're way up there. And so, intercession, it's all... Your soul cannot pray in the Spirit. Your body cannot pray in the Spirit. But your spirit can pray in the spirit to the immortal Holy Spirit of God. 
Is that Pentecostal? Oh, that's just Pentecostal teaching. So you have you have people that are blank. Oh my goodness gracious. You know, suffering, rejected, tormented. How does this happen? By accepting that the Holy Spirit will in you move in power to convict you and sanctify you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know I'm about time to run out of time, but I want to tell you this is story. In Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to 23, there's an interesting scripture. I've got to put my glasses back again because I can't read without this thing. So, here we go. It's in Luke. Let's take a look and I'll quit real quick, okay? Luke chapter 16. Luke 16. It's on verse 19. Amen? There's a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. A lot of people use this scripture to say to me that in heaven there's dogs. Okay? So, so that, that is where uh, people bless dogs because, no, 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 dogs are not going to go to heaven. I'm sorry. There's no. And it was carried by the angels into Abraham, and he came to pass, and the beggar men died. Now, the beggar died. And. and he was carried by angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So one is Abraham's bosom and the other is dead. When a Christian dies, his soul is the main purpose of God to sanctify it. So what do you mean by that, Rick? Oh, we have in the office a, a lady called Frankie Appel. Frankie's tall, so in heaven she'll be tall. Frankie has a smile. In heaven she'll have a smile. Frankie has a, a, a very, uh, she, she types looking the other way, you know. She adds with the left hand. So the left hand, you know, it's like this, she's adding so will her mind, her emotions are going to be in heaven. That's your spirit. Now, what makes that successful is that her spirit man is going to be her ID. You're not going to be angel number 45. Human soul number 438 million. My spirit identifies me as Rick Bonfim. Now I say, it came to pass that the beggar died in the, and was carried into the Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and was buried. And in hell he lifted his eyes. Now I'm talking about the rich man in hell. He lifted his eyes. See, Lazarus in his bosom. And spirit man has eyes. Rich man in torment. Emotions. The soul of the rich man is in torment. 
Now, don't, don't, don't knock people that have money, please. He's not talking about that. He's talking about people who, who, who idolize what they had, idolaters. The love of money is the root of all evil. Nothing wrong with have money. Now, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, in being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. The emotion of this man lost. His soul is in torment because his spirit is dead. Let me stop right there. Let's go back to let's go back to Ephesus. Twelve men. Uh, we we didn't hear about Pentecost. Uh, can, uh, uh, well, well, uh, I didn't hear there is a Holy Spirit. Paul didn't sit down there and explain to them like just Achille and Priscilla did to Apollos. Paulus simply just lay hands on <laughs> like we do it in Brazil. You know, we don't ask what's your name, where you been, would you like to talk a little bit? Uh, this is a little counseling session. We are in service, and there's a zillion people behind you. So let's just talk. What do you think about this whole thing? That's a waste of time. Anybody in the altar should just stop talking. Lay hands. If you don't have it, you don't have it. So get out of there. Paul simply did get up and lay hands on the twelve men, and they began to speak with other tongues. That's not Pentecostal. Their spirit began to cry out to God for the souls of the people in Ephesus. That's enough for today. I'll see you tomorrow. I can see His mighty hand Delivering His people From the evil in this land The wounded and the broken hearted Lift their voice in prayer As they feel the touch of His amazing grace Oh God's mercy So amazes me Oh God's mercy So amazes me To every 